All right, guys, good to have you back. I'm here with my good friend, Gary Hale. And uh, Gary sent me a text today because we often text ahead of time and see what we're going to talk about in the podcast and thought this was an interesting subject. Uh, before... Oh, I never got a response from you, so I guess... Oh, I my guess bad. Thought, I guess you thought it was good. Ah, uh, you know what happened? Um, my Right about the time we were talking, I got a call to... So my wife and I texted back and forth today, and my kids were supposed to walk my little kids home. They're not little, little. 12 and 13. Your big kids. Like my Sam, big kids. My 17 and 16 year old is supposed to walk, walk my 12 and 13 year old. Somehow in all that, uh, I get this call, come pick us up. <laughs> so I probably lost my train of thought and never yeah. did get back on the tracks well, that's again. All right. That's so. all right. So did you get all the kids back in the nest? We did get the kids back in the nest. Everybody's home, home safe. So, and thankfully, um, you know, I don't want to get too far off topic here, but have you ever tried to go to Las Palmas at 12 15 on a Friday? Oh, yeah. Yeah, like any, any <laughs> is, time is like release or in the early morning when they're dropping off. It's crazy. Yeah, so if you want to go back to our podcast about driving in, in San Pedro and then multiply that times about 10 because everybody is converging on that one street right there. And so you just are bumper to bumper. You have people trying to get in between your bumpers, even though there's only six inches. You've got motorcycles buzzing you from every which way. And there's a few cultural differences. Like when they let their kids get out, they just stop in the middle of the road and let their kids get out in the middle of the road. And so there's, there's little things like that. You just have to. So, so that's why you're saying, Hey, just, just bring the little ones home. Just you know, home. I live maybe. How about a motor concho? I live in my, I don't trust with my little kids, but I've little thought about them. The, the, the ones that are like, uh, the little yeah, what do you call, motor taxi, you know, Justin is in our church. He's a motor concho. Yeah. yeah I just don't, yeah, yeah. without getting too much into personality, okay, there's, okay, some, yeah, yeah. there's some personality things where I think somebody might not pay really good attention. So, yeah. uh, I think Sam and Luke ride around in them all the time, but you got to do what's right for your kids. I'm not, yep. not criticizing you. No, no, I get it. I just would hate Elliot or Jude to get in the back and not, pay attention or somebody yeah. assume they know what's going on and then they yeah, don't sure. and they're not holding on yeah. and then they fall off and I got a whole another situation in my hands. Yeah, sure. Okay. So Sam and Luke, just bring the kids home. Just yeah. Starting on Fridays, they're going to walk home. Okay. So yeah. Okay. Good. So I don't have to go through the run the gauntlet. All right. Good. So anyway, getting into our subject for today, I didn't ask you how you're doing. How are you doing by the way? You know, I'm doing well. Good. I'm a little bit behind on my sermon prep, but um, other than that, doing well. Uh, it's been, been a pretty good week. I think overall, Allison's uh, started uh, decorating for Christmas. So nice, it's my favorite. Good time of year. So good, good. Well, we, uh, you have got a good topic. I think is good to deal with, especially when we're talking about boundaries and ministry and things to be careful of, and uh, and setting yourself up for success. Uh, sometimes when you set boundaries, you can be seen as a rule monger and things like that. But I think that those, I think if you can see some things preemptively sometimes uh, may save you from problems in the future. And so uh, go ahead and kind of kick this one off and, and I'll jump in. Yeah, today, you know, I got some more information concerning a case that uh, really was in our, um, you know, within our ministry a couple years ago, uh, where we had a guy that showed up kind of out of nowhere, okay? And uh, he's an American guy. Uh, he has a backstory that he works in a particular field, we'll just say. Um, and But he also does missions. Mm. And he does missions all over the world and all that. But having known a little bit about that particular field, it didn't 
his story didn't really line up. Uh, well, how could you be gone for like a month at a time, two months at a time? And then, you know, he would he would drop in, and then he would go somewhere else, uh, and he'd be like, hey, I'll be back in June and all that. And so you started, and I knew enough about his field. I was like, hmm, eh, this guy is full time or something yeah. out there. And uh, some initial conversations that we had, uh, he kind of misrepresented uh, some things that were said or, or something. And so it just kind of drew some, some flags uh, to the point that we called his home church and uh, just checking him out, you know, because it, you got to realize we're in the Dominican Republic and a lot of foreigners come. Mm-hmm. This is the first time we've, but we've, we've had other Christians that have come to our church and our ministry, but here's a guy that's representing himself as a missionary and that wants to get involved. Now here's the thing. He's like an all, you know, I think I, I put a post on it. He was an all shucks, all American guy. Probably one of the nicest guys I've ever met, man. Mm. And I'm being, I'm being serious. I mean, he was just down home country, loves the Lord. He's in seminary, he told me the seminary he's in. He's all this. We go call his church and they like hardly know this guy. I mean, they're like, uh, yeah, he's, yeah, he's faithful to church. He's, he's a good dude. He had some problems over, they named a country. And like he lost all his money and got taken advantage of. Okay, well that that does happen. And so we started tracing where he's been. Yeah, there was just a little bit of Magnum PI work uh, in the background. Yeah, a little bit. In fact, I I I wrote to to one of the the places because I found some information on him, and they never responded to me. But then did did my own little search. I didn't go to the full FBI search, but did a little search, found things out, kept talking to him. Little by little, he let some more stuff out that would be concerning uh, about himself. Uh, But I'm telling you, probably one of the nicest guys I've ever met. Looked good on a resume. Look good on the resume. And so he wanted to get involved in our church. Well, uh, he also wanted to get involved in our school. And as the story just didn't line up, I, um, I contacted the director of our school. And privately, I said, uh, I believe you need to watch out for this guy. And because here's the thing. He was making friends. And the friends that work at the school were like apparently buying hook, line, sinker of this dude. And they were like, oh, he can come over and sub for me. Or he can come in and that. And so... You know, I talked it over with the leader because here's the thing. We didn't have any full proof. Right. We couldn't, we didn't have anything that I could go to the police and say, this guy is a, is a criminal. But this, there were so many holes in the story. Well, uh, I had already heard that because it also is verified with uh, witnesses from the school. This guy was, um, so he, he went away from us. He went into another ministry, uh, local ministry. Then he skipped. He skipped town, but uh, the last I had heard was that uh, he had had uh, various prostitutes, potentially underage, uh, circling through his house, and uh, some of our teachers actually uh, were in on it, not not in on going to his house, but, but knew calling it out. Yeah. And, and so it really validated this guy's, this guy's problems. Well, then today I, I heard someone else that, that uh, said uh, that he has been accused of, you know, impregnating uh, a woman, and she was banging on his door saying, you know, you can't do that to me. You know, you've impregnated me. You've got to, you know. Now, now, was it hers and his together? Uh, I, I don't know. It is an accusation. I'm just going to tell you this. Guys who are on the up and up don't have a trail of those right. types of accusations. Exactly. And so I don't know what all is there. I'm not saying that. But I'm saying that we avoided a lot of hurt and heartache. Um, and I think that one of the a couple of things that I would say we did right, 
One, we just didn't buy his story just because he was an American. And I think any missionary listening out there that's uh, overseas for a long period of time. Now, some countries it's harder to get into than the DR. But the DR, this guy presented himself again as the, I'm telling you, he, 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 it's like he walked off of the set of, uh, Andy Griffith's show. I mean, he was like a, he was a country, he was just country as could bomb, be. Bomb.com, according to his, uh, he, he was every, and he just wanted to help people. And, uh, one, we were careful about that. And we were, we were like, mm, let's check out his story. Number two, he didn't come down with any organization, which, you know, nothing says in the Bible. I mean, the only, uh, as, as one person joked, the only mission boards, uh, or the only boards that you'll find in the New Testament are the boards that, uh, Paul grabbed hold of on the shipwreck and, and came into it. So I get it. Uh, there's no mission boards in the New Testament per se, but there's another reason why coming with someone provides a measure of accountability because he came down and he didn't have any. And so then he tells us about a home church, so we called his home church. And that was less than, I mean, they didn't put him down. It's just they didn't act like they, they didn't even put him up. E- they didn't put him they didn't up really either. put him up either. Yeah. And they really couldn't even answer basic questions about his depth of spirituality, uh, how they've watched him, how they've poured into him, what he's been involved in and all that. They basically gave us a little, um, mm, I'm not really sure, can't really say on that, don't know, uh, know he's a good dude, his family, you know. And, and I say all that because it's a cautionary tale. Uh, so then today I'm, I decided, well, I'm going to do a little search again. I had done a search in the past. Somehow I ended up on the, the uh, sex offender registry of a couple states. And I checked out for him, and he didn't pop up. But um, the If that was places. his real name. Yeah, yeah, and, and, and all that. Uh, but what was fascinating to me, I never really, I don't think, ever looked at that. And so I, I put in West Virginia. He wasn't from West Virginia, but I put in West Virginia because that's my home state. And I put in our county, and I could not believe. I kept scrolling and scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. They didn't have them numbered. So then I was like, this is unbelievable. Cabell County, which, you know, what, has a couple hundred thousand people, maybe a hundred thousand. I don't know. I mean, it's not that big of a, uh, you know, of a county. And it got so ridiculous that I was like, man, I'm going to have to count all these out because this is just unbelievable. And I counted more than 250 names. So I clicked on some of those and you get a little profile and you get an address and you get what they were convicted of. And I was like, man, I, I mean, I guess I've heard people put that kind of stuff out there that you can check those things. I didn't realize, and I would have never guessed that there's more than all, the, all these sex offenders, all these are sex offenders in wow. committed in the registry. I mean, go, go to Tennessee, put in, put in your county, put in that, and it'll pull up a list and tell you, I think it tells you, I guess every state does it a little differently, but generally they'll, they'll tell you what they've been committed, uh, uh, convicted of and who they are and where they live. And I, and I think to myself, and, and here's what uh, drives it home to me. I, I think in the United States, uh, there's a lack of procedural policy in place in a lot of churches mm-hmm. that protects against this kind of stuff. I mean, a, a basic, basic should be a background check when a new person, when a new person comes in. I mean, and you can do an FBI, you can do a more thorough that'll give you all the information. There's a lot of services on the internet that you, you know, you can put in the name and all that and they'll, they'll generate this big report and then they want to sell it to you. Oh, you know, been you there, know, done that a hundred times you know, over $20, right? whatever. But I, I just, I was I, been trying to track down family members and stuff and done that. But then I'm like, I'm not paying $20 to yeah. figure out where my long lost <laughs> uncle is. Right. But I think, you know, so for me, what I, what I was thinking of was, wow, we dodged a bullet. We dodged a bullet. And I, you know, I don't know. Um, 
I just know he skipped down again. Uh, I know that when we were when we were kind of digging and just looking at certain, just looking at certain uh, pictures and and things that he had posted, it it just didn't didn't click. It didn't click, man. It doesn't click when you're posting pictures of you and little children. Like you know, one was in a room, a, a bedroom, and he's like, "Here's my little guy. He's my little friend," and he was like down here because he was with. So I, it just it, there know, was nothing all in out that said he was doing something. I think that is a ministry lesson that I've learned that um, you and I talked about some other ministry situations, not even related related to this at all. But I think there's always a second when you're in leadership or when you are and. I don't want to say charge when you're responsible for a lot of people, you tend to second guess yourself sometimes because you don't want to be the bad guy. You don't want to be the, you know, the, 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 you know, the mean authoritarian that's always telling everybody no. And you're, you know, the buck stops with you kind of thing. So you're always trying to, but I, there is something to be said about that gut feeling about that gut feeling where it's just something isn't right. And if we can't seem to connect the dots on the page, then we need to hold off on this one because I think you're right. I think you did dodge a bullet. Here's the other thing. Um, two other things I've learned, uh, you know, the, there's a verse in scripture. I, I hope I'm quoting it correctly. It's this most likely King James, uh, let another man praise thee and not thine own lips. Yeah. And lips, yeah. you know, that to me years ago, we dealt with a ministry situation with somebody who, um, just like you're saying, things just didn't click. Um, every message had to do with some type of morality type, you know, um, some of them were without even preached without a Bible. It just, it was like a Hallmark, (laughs) it was like a Hallmark commercial. And, um, it, even people that weren't directly connected with us walked away going, there's seems to be a morality issue there. Mm. Um, and, and the funny thing was, it was always, no, 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 there's no, there's no problem. There's no problem. It's like, it was like singing that person singing their own praises, you know? And that's when we really focus in on that verse, let another man praise you, not their own lips. Usually somebody who's going to tell you how good they are is not as good as they think they are. You see what I'm yeah. saying? Or yeah. they're or covering they're for something. Yeah, right. covering or projecting. Or gaslighting, yeah. if you want to go back to the yeah, yeah. the narcissist uh, the yeah. podcast. But yeah. Yeah, wow. So I, I, what would be my encouragement? My encouragement would be to check. Uh, and the other thing I would say that we did is we didn't, which can be tempting in this scenario, just because he's an American yeah, I got you. You know, just because he's American, we sort of bypass what we set up. And so, like, at the church, it's not really a hard, difficult process to get to, to get involved in the church. But there is a little bit of a, a process. You can't just show up and start volunteering. Right. Okay. And so he had offered himself to, you know, to, to various ministries and, you know, wanted to get involved, wanted to get plugged in. Um, and I think that that simple filter— uh, you know, kept him at bay because he, what he ended up doing is he just kind of, he just kind of floated off and then got involved in another local ministry and he was there for a while. And then he, um, and I talked to the leaders actually a couple of weeks ago about that and his, his name came out and they were like, yeah, it's just kind of a strange scenario. And he kind of floated away from there. And so. see, I, I, this is what I love about a team and I love the way we, we do things because, um, there's a cohesiveness. There's extra sets of eyes. There's things that, you know, just when we talk about um, the fellow that got saved to baptize recently, you know, just not even knowing the story or the backstory, he shows up and head down and he's making a beeline to your office, you know, and I'm like trying to catch up with him mm-hmm. because in we didn't realize it, but we're working together. Well, you know, obviously you had a meeting set up with him and he knew that and he was, he was, yeah. but, but even though I wasn't even a part of that, I see this person I don't recognize very much, you know, yeah. barreling through the church 
thing with a, on a teen night and it calls my attention. So I love the fact, the other thing is that gut feeling when you work on a team like this, uh, maybe you, I think the biggest thing, I think sometimes, I don't know if this has happened with you with Allison, but women kind of have a second, you know, I don't know. They'll just, Sarah will just be like, eh, something doesn't seem right. Yeah. Sarah reads people really well. Yeah. Allison has that. And, um, and so sometimes I'm like, because you know, I'll tell you a funny one, but this is, this is so true. So we're in Costa Rica and we all, we decided to go downtown as a family one day. So we have to get on a bus there. So we get on the bus. Well, I see this mom and her holding her little baby along with her mom on the bus. Well, the kid was as cute as could be. We're all sitting together. I'm obviously with my family, with my wife and everything. But the way that the woman kept looking at me, she was almost kind of like, she was being a little flirty with me. And I'm like, look, I just think your kid's cute. You know, it wasn't, I wasn't, and I was most certainly obviously there with my wife. My wife was right there. And I was like, I was like, what in the world was up with that? And she's like, babe, she thought you were flirting with her the whole time. And I was like, well, I wouldn't flirt with her. I just thought she had a cute kid. But it's just perceptions like that where I was just, you know, here I am thinking everything's cool. So every time you were blowing a kiss, she thought it was for her. Yeah, I wasn't blowing kisses. Yeah. But, <laughs> but anyway, yeah. No, yeah, but so yeah. situations like that with good intentions that weren't meant in a bad way, but they were obviously received in a bad way. So it's good. I like yeah. the – I like the – I mean, obviously – I like too that that you went with your gut, and obviously, I think that was the Holy Spirit protecting us too. Just to yeah, I think so. I mean, I was thinking today, man. I'm thankful I don't have to call missionaries or call ministry families yeah. and say, uh, "I got some bad news for you. I need to know if if this person." Because as far as I know, we we had shielded the ministry from that. But mm-hmm. but here's the thing. I mean, our gut can be wrong too, and we can get it wrong. Um, I think what we were able to rely on is okay. That discernment that I think the Lord and that intuition that the Lord gives us, but even at that, we also had procedures in place yeah. that that are there for a reason. And you know, this kind of goes back. I mean, this bleeds over into other areas of of life. Boundaries are are placed there for for our protection. Mm-hmm. And and so even in a family, you can you know sometimes you you have certain boundaries that you've put in place for your for your children, right? Right. Okay. And it doesn't mean that you think that you're necessarily saving your kid every time that that boundary is enforced um, because maybe nothing was going to happen. But the reason why you say, Sam, you need to be in at a certain time, Sam, this is who you can go out with Sam. Here's how you can go out is why, because there you want to put him in a safe area and within that boundary, he is welcome to, I mean, it seems reasonable. Right, it seems reasonable within that boundary that uh, you can't protect him 100. percent You can't just, you know, I mean, you can set him in his room and say, I mean, you can protect him that way, but it's reasonable that he's got to go out and he's got to interact. And so you decide where you're going to put the boundary, and within that, it's reasonable to think that he's going to be protected. It's not a guarantee, but it's reasonable. If you have no boundaries, then he could wander into an area that's not yeah, reasonably and, safe. And sometimes there's even gray areas. He was in a situation the other day, and I'm not going to go into details, but he went out. With, he was invited to go out with a group of friends, and and part a very small part of the group of friends decided to do something they shouldn't have. He stepped away, right. and I I appreciated the fact that he stepped away. But I also, when he got home, said, "Okay, I appreciate you for standing up for what's right." I said, "But the next next time, I get a phone call right away." You right. know, because if someone would have associated with you with that situation, then I can always go back and say, Hey, here's the timestamp. I've talked to him. I gave him permission to be there. You know, it was right. safer for him to stay than it was for him to go, you know, whatever the case may be. But yeah, that's an ever evolving 
Yeah, because you're always just trying to protect. I mean, mm-hmm. and, and listen, not everything. I'm Venezuela. I mean, this is kind of a funny story, but not a funny story. Culturally in Venezuela, when we did baptisms, I've told you about this one. When we did baptisms, it was kind of a, you rent a pool for basically the whole day. And so you, you do your baptisms. You usually have a dinner and then baptisms. And after that, you just let people hang out in the pool, which is totally fine. Well, it was fine until some 15 year old girl decides to show up in a bikini and you know, she had every guy at the church drooling over. And so we hadn't made all kinds of rules because for the most part, up until that point, everyone dressed modestly to come and and have the baptismal service. So your baptism skyrocketed. (laughs) Everybody wanted to get baptized after that. No. And it was just one of those deals where here it's like, you're doing a face plant because you're seeing this play out in front of you and you're sitting there going, okay, I know I needed to say something. I don't want to isolate this person. She's a girl. So I don't want to make a big deal about it. I don't want to upset her parents, but on the same token, I don't need the guys over the church, you know, gawking at the, so we just, after that, made a, we didn't single her out. We just made a policy after that. If you're going to come, this is what you need to wear. Yeah, this one is kind of clothing suits. Yes. Yep, yeah. Gotcha. Dark colored t-shirts, that right, kind of right, stuff. Right. So, so, um, but yeah, and sometimes you end up learning through your processes too, yeah. but those things are protective in nature. They're not made sure. to, um, and it's difficult to tread those things sometimes. Yeah. And I think, you know, I think that's uh, sometimes what we've seen, um, how do I want to put this? For instance, in some Christian universities that mm-hmm. have been around a long time, mm-hmm. and it seems like the rule book keeps getting larger and larger and larger and larger. Okay, yeah. I think there's a balance there because I think, I mean, usually the rules are written because somebody does something that is like, oh, we can't, you know, like you said. And I think that you're not you're not necessarily saying that we can't just continue to. I mean, sometimes you just sometimes people just act stupid, and you need to be able act stupid, and you just need to be able to go say, "Hey, don't do that again. That's stupid," without writing a rule for it, um, because you can get really legalistic. Um, but at the same time, there are certain things that come up in ministry, like this case. You know, uh, you really did need to kind of say something. You know what I'm saying? No, so I totally it, get you. And actually, that's a that's that fine line. Yeah, because. It's a little bit of a point of contention with, like, for instance, um, there's a university that I know of that they don't have internet in the guys' dorms because they're trying to save them from moral problems. Mm. I just don't know that I agree with that, and I'm going to tell you why. Because if you're going to teach them the minister in the world, you know, you can't isolate them in a church building or a house for the rest of their life. Somewhere they go, they're going to see or be presented with things you know, that you don't always have to go looking for that, that happen. Mm. I think, it, I think even with my children, I try to deal with that. I'm more of a, how do we deal with this level rather than I'm just going to put this little fence around you and protect you forever. Because if I don't teach them how to deal with the situation, mm. they're really setting them up for failure. Here's the other thing, you know, I, for at least in, in my situation in Venezuela, I mean, my kids, we were talking about tonight in youth group, but my kids were exposed to pornography at a really young age and it was not we protected them incredibly i mean really when you when the six-year-old kid from two houses up comes down with his mom's phone or dad's phone and he's playing videos that he doesn't even know what it is and you're and at the time your five or six-year-old daughter seeing that how do you deal with that yeah you know what i'm saying and so um i guess we're kind of getting off theme a little bit but i guess what i'm saying is so i had to come at things like that with 
Yeah. Okay. How do I, so, so I can't be there to protect you from every instance. My wife jokes about this. My kids were in Christian school last year that they were there and in the Christian school, which was also a church on the weekends, they had a poster of sexually transmitted diseases and they had genitalia on that poster depicting what that those sexually transmitted diseases do. Here's my kids yeah. should be protected from that, but I can't. So I had to kind of teach them to deal with life. Mm-hmm. What happens when you're confronted with situations like yeah. this? So anyway, I didn't give me to get too far of that rabbit trail, but yeah, I totally get you because um, in situations like that, you know, the things that call my attention to this guy that came here are um, like you said, pictures that just don't click. You know, it's, mm-hmm. that just seems weird. Not a place. Right. I want to be careful about backbiting and gossip and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But if you got people saying, Hey, this just doesn't jive. Okay. That's number two. Number three, you have to ask yourself if his own church doesn't really know him quite well. And yet people who have seen him say, yeah, there's this consistent pattern that we think is just kind of not good. Yeah. You know, so things just keep pointing in a certain direction, whether or not you're right or wrong. I think you have to make that call sometimes and just say, um, you know, I don't think I think we're going to pass on this one. Um, and the other thing, I guess, is after we dealt with that minister situation with a person with moral issues, constantly telling you that he was OK, is when people go to that length to tell you they're OK, generally there's just something they're hiding something. There's something below the surface that they're trying to convince you that's not there. And it's like, it's like the other proverb that says the wicked flee when no man pursueth or the wicked flee when no man pursueth. In other words, they're, they're running from something that nobody really knows they have, but they know they have it for the way that they're running from it because it's like, it's an overemphasis on it. Yeah. So, yeah, no, I, I think uh, those are good points. And I, and I think, and that's one of the things we didn't want to, um, you know, we didn't want to backbite or, or anything like that. Uh, your second point there. And so we kind of dug and we kind of asked questions and we kind of looked into this. And of course he, he talked more and more he talked a little bit more information uh, got out. Uh, I mean, he owned up to some things, but the thing is, is we have to, what you, you know, you have to handle it discreetly. Yeah. And it, well, here's a good thing too. We to jump into that a little bit, you know, maybe you don't have to say an absolute no, but you could, you could make a policy and just say, you know, we have a six month or eight month period that, you know, that we, that we need you to attend or something like that. We, in other words, you can create, if you're not feeling comfortable about it, sit down with your deacons in a private meeting and come Mm -hmm. up with something and just said for this guy, I think we need to set a prerequisite. We'll just put it on paper that this is, we need to change things because this could be potentially hurtful. And then, and then, because I don't think sometimes too, if people are being predatory like that, I don't know if they're going to wait that long no. You know, they're not well, going like to say, I think you're right. Because I think as we kind of, I don't know that we gave him the cold shoulder. We were always very friendly to him when right. he came into the service, but we just never really took him up on his offer to, to help out. And so he, he did kind of float to, to somewhere else. Well, here's the other thing too. I mean, this is sexual in nature, but if you take somebody who's under church discipline for whatever reason, somebody who's truly repentant is willing to go through some kind of restoration discipleship process. Mm-hmm. So in that, in that sense, it's somebody who's been caught and then dealt with in that way. But in the same token, if somebody, if he shared a little bit with you that made you kind of raise an eyebrow, then if he's a truly repentant person, then he should be willing to subject himself to, to the processes necessary to make him, you know, basically yeah. to, 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 you know, pass the test. It, it is a hard thing as leaders, though, because you don't ever want to be the ultimate judge of somebody's morality. You don't ever want to be the person who... um 
I mean, you and I were just talking about this on a separate issues. It's just, um, I am told often by my wife, I'm a very black and white person. There's not a whole lot of gray. You know, if you're supposed to do, you're supposed to do. If you're not, you're not, period. And so it's hard for me to see those gray areas. And yet I have a lot of friends who gray is the predominant color. You know, it's, well, if you didn't mean it, you didn't, if you didn't mean it, you didn't do it. Well, no, you did it. Mm-hmm. Even though you didn't mean it, you, you know, and so, and that's a hard, even with my kids, you know, I'm like, if you get pulled over for a cop by a cop for speeding, maybe your intentions weren't bad. Maybe you weren't trying to hurry up and whatever. You just weren't paying attention, but you still got a ticket. Right. It doesn't have to be intentional for it to still be wrong. Right. Sure. So, you know, when you look at situations like this, it's just, it's just hard. And I think that's where, um, we faced some things in Venezuela that when we walked away, my wife would say things to me like, I don't know if I would have thought of that, which is funny because she's the intuitive person. Right. And I see that as absolute God's protection over his bride, over the church, because, you know, it's not like I'm in there some, some um, wisdom factory and they're pumping out some, you know, yeah. great stuff. I had to take a step back and go, it must have been a God thing then because it's not that, you know. Yeah, I, you know, I, I think one of the things that's very hurtful to read um, and thankfully, I think it's starting to change in a lot of our evangelical churches, um, is to hear about how abuse has been covered up for years and years and years. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I remember when it was, um, when it came out about the Catholic Church, you know, moving priests. Oh, it was the scandal, place. yeah. And I remember the attitudes of at least some Baptistic mm-hmm. people around me. Oh, see, that's why we're not like that, blah, yeah. blah, blah. Well, actually... Um, they have better records than the, the yeah. Baptist church. If you go back and it was happening during the same time too. In other words, the, the, the same moment everybody's turning their nose up is the same moment the same junk is happening within our circles. Yeah. And, and, and people being uh, staff members quietly let go, um, uh, popping up at other churches. And, you know, and then when stuff comes out, this sort of uh, circle the wagons, protect the ministry at all costs. And uh, that really, really, um, I don't know, it's had kind of an impact on me because I just, I see the hurt. I read the people that, that say, yeah. you know, and I was like, we won't do that. And I commit to that. We will not do that. If, if there's something like that, that were to go on, we're going to have to, I think one of the things is to remember that this isn't your kingdom. This isn't my kingdom. And it's so hard to do. You can say that and it all sounds good and preaches good. This isn't my kingdom. This is his kingdom. But when you run the risk to say, okay, now if we announce this, that this is what's going on, and we're leveling with the people, um, uh, we might lose a lot of people in our church. And a lot of people, they circle the wagons, and Mm -hmm. they cover it up. And then there's others. I mean, you hear about, you know, lawyers come in, these high-profile, you know, Christian defense lawyers that come in, and they play this game with what can be said, what can't be said. Here's here's what you take responsibility for. Here's what you don't take responsibility for. And I'm telling you, if that happened in my family, I would be so, I'd be so, like— angered at the yeah. church for yeah. not speaking the truth. The church, the church should be a place where when it is, when it is confirmed, uh, the way it is handled, that it's above board and transparent. You know, I hate to, I hate to go into this too much because it drives me nuts when this stuff goes through the social media or all that kind of stuff. But I think the Matt Chandler, the Chandler thing recently was probably a good way, the way that was handled. And that was, he basically decided himself. He wasn't really doing anything wrong. It was texting, but it was on the up and up. It was nothing that, but because there was a potential to misconstrue it, 
he made the decision to to step away. I don't know for permanently or for a while at least, but it was. And I th- I think there's some wisdom in that. I think there's because then you got the Ravi Zacharias thing that that everybody's still you know reeling from that and. What a what a scar that puts his, puts on the cause of Christ. When here's a guy who, man, I've been awed by Zacharias's stuff. But then when you know that it's like he shot himself in the foot when it was all said and done with, and the impact that he had was so lessened because of the choices that he made, the moral choices he made. But so I think there's I think there's wisdom. You know, in the Matt Chandler situation, he surrounded himself with elders. The people are there were willing to step in to protect him, but they're also willing to step in and protect the church. And so when there's when there are those uncomfortable moments that don't necessarily have the clear black and white lines, when nothing intentionally wrong was meant, but there is potentially a way to interpret it wrong that somebody says, Hey dude, I, I really think this might be a time for you to for you to step aside for a little bit, just take some personal time, spend some time with your family. I think that's a good thing. I think that's out of protection for him, out of the protection for the church. I think there's a lot of good things in that. I think there's the, the whole thing in all of this is accountability. Yeah, I think so. And having that uh, accountability structures set up, and that's including people that want to come in uh, from out of nowhere, and, right. and they're like the next best thing. Uh, since what is the phrase sliced bread or whatever? Yeah, yeah. I, mean, I don't know where that got into our culture, but anyway, you know, they show up. They're out and and. And having structures in place so that you can properly vet people. But then, because you can properly vet somebody, somebody can get on the inside and still do damage. Sure. You're never going to completely be able to. In fact, you know, there's a couple of things I wanted to say to you. Isn't it funny that so many times it is the people with a lot of charisma that just just, it seems like they're the package deal. And you're like, man, check this out. We got this dude. He could do this, 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 and this. And then two years later, you're like, where did we ever find this dude? Look at the mess. Yeah. But, you know, there's something very interesting, too, and this is not trying to get off an exit here, but um, Francis Chan uh, does this thing called We Are Church, and basically it was a movement away from the whole mega church thing, and they do home churches. And he talks about their processes, and he's very transparent about it. And one of the things I loved is he said, you know, he said, um, he said it's God who develops the person. He said, we, we really put a lot of leaders up based on their charisma and how that they can work with people. But if the spiritual base wasn't there, the whole situation fought, fell apart and we had to come back in and we had to restructure and put somebody else in his place. So it just goes to show you that charisma is not always the the prerequisite for somebody. You could have somebody who's cold and, and uh, dry, but somebody who has a way more spiritual depth and somebody that comes along and tells you they are the best thing since sliced bread. And then you're coming in later picking up the pieces because... Yeah. You know, it turned out to be an, uh, a self-centered narcissist, really, just out for their own whatever they could yeah. get out of the situation. Yeah, I, I think I, I would just say, you know, today we uh, we realized we avoided a bullet, uh, we dodged a bullet, you know, and um, so it's a it's not a good feeling to realize that maybe other people were were used. Uh, at least to this point, I don't know that there's children involved though i'm hearing that it's probably some underage girls which doesn't make it any better so that is that underage girls are our children so but um there's no like foolproof and he skipped town with accusation of that and so i just think of um 
and so yeah, you go through your head. What what more could you have done? Could you go to the police do- uh, department? Well, we had no we had no proof of anything. We had nothing. Uh, we not only that we we're had not, holes in a story, right? And, and we're not structured you know. like the states. You know, we right. don't have the level of accountability and right. research and stuff like that. I I mean, I'm not trying to down, but I, I imagine that a lot of details are not looked into. You know, no, there's um, there, there's nothing. I mean, it's not like we caught something or we we had hard hard and fast, you know, uh, foolproof evidence, but we just had that, you know, something's not right here. And then checking out the story and all that, and then just saying, look, let's, we, we need not to circumvent what we've already set up just because, you know, he's presenting himself. And I think yeah. that's the story that I would say for anybody anywhere, don't circumvent what you've already set up just because this person seems like, wow, he could plug in and really help us because we really have a need. Cause remember you put those things in place. For for that purpose, yeah. And I want to go beyond that and say, you know, if you got a bad gut, trust your gut. Yeah. Um, you do a little bit of investigative work. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, because biblical principles and let another man praise thee, not thy own lips. You know, if he's talking, telling you all the stuff he's done or can do, maybe you need to check into that. Um, so that's that's another thing there. Um, and you know, unfortunately, people who want to do things like that can easily get lost. In the, on the mission field per se, because there's just not the level of accountability yeah. that there is. You know, you see all these catching a predator shows in the States. I mm-hmm. mean, they can, there's that's primetime TV that you can watch all the time. You see right. what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. they've got these little hotel rooms set up where they're texting as, as if there's somebody and then they catch the person. There just really isn't that kind of stuff here. So if they want to see between the cracks, they can very easily. And so if they can come in under this guise of being all that and then there's really no accountability held to them and the damage is done before you can ever. And then once the damage is done, you know, as Americans, I guess for us, even though there's hurt, sometimes there's some sense of satisfaction when justice is, is completed. But many times in places like that, you, you're just not going to see justice completed. Not, I'm not downing it completely. I'm not saying that there is cases where justice is completed, but in relational cultures, it depends who, you know, you know, Mm -hmm. and so if a bad person is, good friends with a judge or a policeman or something like that. It doesn't take much to get out of situations because you have the right connections. So, yeah, yeah I, I just know that, uh, this case apparently he had prostitutes and all that. And just because they're underage doesn't mean that it's, I mean, we may look at that way and say, well, they're prostitutes, but you don't, they, they've probably been introduced to that. They've probably been right. trafficked in that. And so he's just one more abuser in the line of many. And, you know, it's like, but now he skipped down and he's gone. And I, I, I don't you know, I don't know where he is. And it just was remindful. I mean, I was just reminded today as somebody, you know, gave another little piece of information on that story that, uh, wow, we probably, we probably dodged a bullet. I'm not happy. I'm not happy that other people are no, hurting. Right. But I, I, I am happy in from an administrative standpoint in the sense that, you know what? Our gut was right. You know, the discernment was yeah, right. It's and we one protected th- our families. It's one thing to sit here and go, man, that's awful what happened across town. It's another thing having to be the one that makes a phone call to say, hey, I just want to let you know that this has happened and involves your child or involves, oh, you know, that nobody wants to make that phone call. So, no, yeah. I think it's. I think it's a whole different level in that situation. Sure, sure. So, so anyway, I, I think it has application to, to ministries wherever you are as far as, you know, all these little points that we, I mean, just kind of think through to be prepared because you never know when Mr. Wright or Mrs. Wright's going to show up. And tell you they're and, Mr. Wright or yeah, Mrs. Wright. Yeah, and, and tell you all about that. And then you, 
if you're not careful, you get into you can get into a mess. Yeah, and without going too far off kilter here, I mean, I've dealt with other situations like that in, in ministry-wise. I'll never forget, I think I mentioned a few podcasts back, but a, a friend who, um, you know, had a marital issue, and I tried to intervene and help reconcile, but I, I was told things in such a way that made him out to be the villain and the hero altogether. And so because he was willing to make himself the villain, I thought that the other person must have been horrible because he was willing to admit he was wrong and come to find out there was way more to the story than I, than I realized. And I got myself involved in a situation where that person stopped talking to me, the, the wife, because uh, I was trying to reconcile, but I didn't really know the depth of what had happened, but I was fed such a good story to be like, yeah, man, she's been through a lot. I understand, you know, ministry's hard and, and we've moved around a lot. And I'm sitting there listening going, well, at least this guy's willing to own up to his, you know. But there was much, much, much deeper stuff. So when I jumped into that, that was a hard lesson a long time ago. And I've told my wife a million times when we've heard of marital issues since that time. I say, don't get involved. Don't, don't, don't assume it's a hundred percent one way or the other. You just, yeah. because you're only being told what they want to tell you. Yeah. You really have to, you really have to dig and, and, uh, investigate kind of what's going on both sides, both because, because you're right. It's, it's very much, uh, many times is skewed. Yep. And, um, and so you just have to get in there and you have to check these things out and you have to be open, um, because sometimes your whole outlook on that will change once you get both sides of the story or, you know, other people that cooperate the, uh, what the evidence is suggesting. Yep. And yeah, unfortunately, uh, those are things, I mean, that, that is now, if you just want a ministry that is very, uh, superficial in the sense that it's just, um, it's got a good face. Yeah. It's got a good face. It's marketed. Well, it's, uh, preaching and teaching and I'm not downing that those are core elements of what we do okay but it's just like basically you, know, you take it or leave it and you conform to what we're doing or whatever but you don't really want to get involved in people's lives um, I mean you may not have to do that but if you're really in a discipleship base then it requires you to get involved in some people's lives sure. and it, does, sure. it requires you to get um, your hands dirty so to speak and I'm convinced in those situations, if you deal with truth in the right way, even if you, quote unquote, potentially lose everything. Yeah. In other words, let's just say uh, a situation is exposed in a church and somebody gets sued and they take the whole church away, lose the building and everything. Yeah. I just think God provides in those situations. I, think, I also think God's presence is sweet in those situations. And um, there's just, you'll see little things that God does. Maybe you have to meet in a house for a while. Maybe you have to meet under a tree in a park, you know, whatever the case may be. But those are moments when you see God come through in a way that you, that you've not seen him come through. In other words, do what's right and watch how God works. I, I'm convinced. Yeah. You know, I think we both know a story of a church that uh, without giving away too much information, uh, someone was embezzling a lot of money for years and mm-hmm. years and years. And I was so impressed because the pastor actually uh, wrote us and told us what was going on in a very respectful uh, manner to the the person and said, look, uh, the law is going to prosecute him. Uh, we love him and we're going to offer church discipline uh, to, he and, to, to him. Um, obviously, he's not going to be in charge of finances, but it, it took a lot of money out of the church. Well, it ended up being a rallying point for the church. And so what some people would have said, you know, 
don't really admit it. Don't, you know, just hush, hush. And so you can't say, I, I can't comment because it's, uh, you know, this is a, a legal matter. Now the playbook that many churches would have followed, he actually, he actually kind of threw that out and, and said, look, this is what we're facing. This is what he did. This is what the law is doing. This is what, he, and, and they had, uh, people rallied behind that and they appreciated that transparency. And, uh, and I'm sure there's some left the church and were angry and blah, blah, blah. Well, how couldn't you see this and all that? I'm, I'm sure uh, they had some bad reactions, but uh, they had a more positive reaction than what they would have thought of. And I think, I think God, um, God can protect his own reputation. You know what I'm saying? Saying that a million times over. We lived that in Venezuela, just in different situations, but. Um, I, at the end, had to deal with church situation for discipline situation for a guy who I was training to be the pastor. And then we had a situation come up and I confronted him. And to my face, he said, yes, this is a problem in front of the church. He said, no, it's not a problem. And then, it, so anyway, but but I ran the gauntlet trying to protect the church. And I found out later on that God can protect his own church. And so yeah. some of the things I did to try to protect probably didn't help the situation as much as yeah. I thought they did. And so that was a lesson learned. Yeah, amen. And so I think on all this, you just have to, you know, try to do. I mean, it's like just the old phrase of just, just do right. Yeah, just do right. Just do right, and let let God handle uh, the results. Yep. Have have structures in place. Yeah. Have accountability structures in place. Right, right. Trust your gut. Don't be afraid to take a little extra time to do some work. If you don't feel right, but you really can't put your finger on something, don't be afraid to put another process in place to make that go a while. Because generally people who want to do harm like that are going to get exhausted with all the hoop jumping that they have to do. Yeah. Um, so um, I think those are wise things. And just be be wise. Um, you know, guys, I mean, the whole purpose of this podcast is to help with ministry-related type mm-hmm. things, things that you face to kind of give you ideas and talk through these processes biblically, how do we deal with them? Um, and, and, you know, have guys listen to your wives when they, when they say, uh, they got a bad gut about something or somebody, it doesn't mean you have to go running, you know, run them out of the church right away, but at least give a listening ear and try to see from that point of view, because sometimes there's perceived things that we just don't see. Yeah, so, for sure. Sure. well guys, thanks for being with us and, uh, hope this is encouragement and help to you. So if you've got your feet on the ground and you're heavily involved in ministry, I hope this is something that encourages you and gives you some tools on what you can do uh, in your own personal ministry. God bless.